Virginia. William Hill, America's number one sports book, is now here. And we have a special 2021 offer to help you bet on all your favorite sports risk-free. Download the William Hill Sportsbook app, and when you sign up, you can get started with a risk-free bet of up to $2,021. Use promo code RADIORF. Terms and conditions apply. 21 plus only. Gambling problem? Call, text, or chat our confidential and toll-free helpline at 1-888-532-3500. Let's make it interesting with William Hill Sportsbook. Live from Southern California, this is the moment you've all been waiting for. It's time for a new episode of Kings of the Podcast. Buckle up, here we go! Here we go, DB. Episode 12, Kings of the Podcast. I'm John Hoven, the mayor, alongside with Dennis Bernstein. DB, welcome back uh, to the, North America. This could be the dirty dozen, John. This could be the one. <laughs> I <laughs> Given the circumstances of today, John. <laughs> oh, there is so much news to get to that it went down today. DB, I thought it was just a lazy Tuesday, a sleepy midweek yeah, game against the Minnesota, Minnesota Wild. Wild. Detroit's coming on Thursday. I thought, you know, it's just easy. And then all of a sudden, everything starts breaking. Boom. Um, we do have a special guest coming up in the second period tonight, Gasper Kopitar. Yep. Yes, he is the brother of Andre Kopitar, before you ask. Uh, former player. If you follow Mayor's Manor, you know all about him. Uh, we were we were hot on his trail during the 2012 lockout when they played together overseas. And we'll get into that, I'm sure, with Gasper once he stops by. But uh, first, let's get to the, the, the breaking news from earlier today, the big news. There's actually been a lot of news in the last 24 hours, yep. DB. But Ilya Kovalchuk... Uh, based on a report from Elliot Friedman, he is going to be sitting down for a while and is not expected to return with the LA Kings anytime soon. And we did meet with uh, Rob Blake earlier today before the game. Yeah, at 6.45 p.m. They <laughs> yeah. called us. To be exact, uh, yeah. So uh, in the meeting with Rob Blake earlier today, Blake was highly agitated, DB, first of all. I, I, I'm not used to seeing Rob Blake like that. He was angry. It's the angriest I've ever seen him. He's a very you know, low-key, cool cat. Not today. He was really angry about, not that report, just the, the, I think the fact that he, he said he was angry about the fact that the scratch got out. But the, the, the implications that Elliot had talked about were basically they're going to trade him. He's never going to play for Elliot again, which is uh, different than just being a healthy scratch. It is different. And the word is um, from other sources. And I mean, you never want to. You never want to go against the GM of the team, who obviously is very well connected to the situation and knows what's going on. But other sources, not just Elliot Friedman, but other sources do confirm or do suggest strongly that yeah. he has most likely played his last game for the L.A. Kings. Uh, and, and it's more than a healthy scratch. But I, I, I just come back to the anger, though, DB. Yeah. I don't understand what he was so angry about because we've not. And when I say we, I don't just mean you and me. I mean, I'm there. The media in general have asked Rob Blake very difficult questions over the last year or so. And this, to me, was not that difficult of a question. But from the moment that that little scrum started, he was highly agitated by the fact that we, people wanted to ask about Ilya Kovalchuk. And in his words, it was just, he's a healthy scratch. Like, he almost basically said, I don't see what the big deal is. He didn't say that. I'm, I'm just interpreting I think it. maybe the source of his agitation, John, was that there were so many requests to talk to him about a healthy scratch. And if he deemed it purely a healthy scratch then why am I addressing this? Why do I have to address this? But of course, and of course, Elliot Friedman is in a in a platinum level standard of insiders. So you have to have the, there's some, I mean, there's certain accuracy to that. And I've talked to people. I I agree with uh, with Elliot. And I think that they are, you know, we, we went reached out to the agents. We were told that they're actively trying to find a deal for him, but it's going to be very difficult, John. We've gone over this chapter and verse online, on your columns, on Kings of the Podcast. At this point in time, he's not a tradable asset. He's got a no-moving clause. He can control the deal, right? He's a 35-plus contract. If he retires, you're hit for the cap hit. Um, the only saving grace, really, is from a cash standpoint, and we talked about that with, with Carter's contract. He got his bonus paid out, so he's making $700,000 cash salary, but that's not going to affect his next year when he makes $4.25 million a year. So, And here's the thing. Like, I get that part. He hasn't fit in. This was a bad decision. Like, I advocated for it when they signed it, but obviously he's not fit. But 
when I talked to Andre Kopitar after the uh, after the game, initially I asked for a comment on it, and he said no comment, and then the relationship I had with the player, I prodded him a little bit. Elia Kovalchuk is not a cancer in the room. No. He's a hardworking player. The players like him. He's not a troublemaker, right? He's clearly not a fit for this team. And that was a that was just a miscalculation by the organization to sign him to think that he was the player he was five years ago, could come in, not play defense, and score 50 goals. you got to play defense on this team, and when you score two or three goals uh, you know, in, in 15 games, it's not going to work. It has not worked from a playing standpoint. It has not, not worked from a culture standpoint. So the... the the inferences that he is not trying hard or he's not buying into the system, um, from what I told from Coperto, who has no reason to say otherwise, that is not the case. It's purely not a style fit with respect to this team. John? Well, and DB, we talked about this extensively last year as well during the Willie Desjardins days. Everybody that we talked to on and off the record inside the organization all said the same thing. Great teammate, great guy. Nobody seemed to really have a problem with him. Was the ultimate professional. Was willing to do whatever was necessary for the team, whatever the team wanted to do. If they were going to try to trade him, he was open to that. Um, same thing now. I mean, Todd McClellan was asked after the game, how did he handle the news that he was going to be scratched and McClellan basically said he was fine with it he understood it he took it like a professional not that if there was a problem that McClellan would have told us but you have to believe that there is sincerity there because privately that's what people are saying about this particular player and I I do want to say this this is on Rob Blake so for for all of the tweets that I've put out there talking about the hand that Rob Blake was dealt and the contracts that he has received and all that sort of stuff. This was not a Dean Lombardi problem. This particular signing did take place on Rob Blake's watch. It was his decision to sign the player. That being said, like you mentioned a moment ago that you advocated for it, I agreed with the decision at the time. When you look at the, when you look at the decisions that right. were made... In, uh, or, in real time, in the in circumstances. Time, that were weighed against each other. Trading yep. three assets to get Jeff Skinner or swinging a, a deal to get Max Pacioretty or some of these other players. Correct. That would have cost you assets. And in the back of Blake's mind, he had to know that the rebuild, the retool, the reimagining was coming at some point. It was He was better served at that time to hold on to those assets. So for all of these people that are upset that he signed the player, and for it doesn't matter how many millions of dollars, it didn't come out of your pocket. Right. He signed the player at that time and made a decision that was in the best interest of the Kings, both short-term and long-term. Yeah. Short-term because that was the right move then, and long-term because he didn't give up assets in order to sign the player. Unfortunately, it's not going to end well. Um, but let's let's go over something that you just said a moment yeah. ago to make sure that everybody understands how the no-movement clauses work and all that sort of stuff. Correct. So he has a full no-move clause. What that means is... You can't put him on waivers. Traditionally, when you're done with the player and it's time for him to move on and you can't find a trade, you put the player on waivers and you're hoping or you're thinking that another team is then going to take that player, quote-unquote, for free because they weren't willing to trade for that particular player. In this particular case, he has a no-move clause, which is what Dion Phaneuf had as well, and with a full no-move clause, that means you can't put the player on waivers. So the only thing that they can do is they can buy him out, and you can't buy him out in the middle of the season. You can only buy him out when the buyout window opens in June. And because he uh, is a 35 and over contract, like you mentioned, buying him out does not save you anything against the cap. So normally, like with Dion, when you buy a player out, it's two-thirds the value of the contract over double the length. So if there's two years left, you take two-thirds of the money that's owed to him, and you divide it over four Four years, years, and that's what the cap hit scenario is going to be. It's basic math. I'm trying to cover it it at a high level here. Exactly. Um, In this particular case, there's no real cap savings to buying him out because the player was over 35 when he signed the contract. Right. So the only thing that it does is it buys a a contract off of your 50, if you will, and creates a roster space when you buy that player out as well. And the Kings, of course, are going to be looking for as many roster spots as possible. Now, some people will also say, well, why didn't they just put the player on long-term injured reserve? There actually are rules that prevent you from doing that. <laughs> he has is, to be injured. <laughs> it is against the rules to put a player that is not injured on IR. So have teams done it before? Sure. I'm sure they have. I don't know who because it's against the rules. See, I think the other thing that exacerbates this situation, John, is that um, last year you could lay this on Willie Desjardins, who was not an NHL-level coach. right? And I get it. Like, okay, so he's wrong on Kovalchuk. He is not the, you know, he's not the coach for this guy. And now let's bring in Todd McClellan, an accomplished coach who's a winner, who has structure and systems. He's certainly going to, you know, be able to respond to him. And, and Todd said, "What you know, clean sheet, everybody gets a start, and it didn't work this time. Now I agree with you. It is on Rob, but, you know, for people that are saying, like, this should be a defining moment in Rob's career or, like, you know, here's the thing. 
Yeah, people have said like he's Ilya go. Kovalchuk yeah. should be a defi- no. John, it's one <laughs> player decision on twenty three players. Maybe that's why Rob's so irritated. Yeah, is maybe. the people are trying to make this into a? It's one player. It's one. If, if you can't overcome a one bad personnel decision, you shouldn't be the GM. So this is not a a a you know career defining decision that Rob made. It wasn't a great decision. I agree. He owns it, and I think at the end of the season, even last season. He owns this, and he's probably going to own it. He's not going to deny it. It hasn't worked. Okay, big deal. Things don't work sometimes. You know what worked? The Jake Buzzin trade worked, right? So it's pluses and minuses, and it's not the point in time where you're going to still evaluate. Again, John, what's it come back to? Patience. You have, we knew that these players are getting moved out, so if it's a circumstance where Ilya Kovalchuk is being moved out now or phased out now, it's what we all expected. Like, I didn't expect this guy to be on the team in April. Well, how about this, DB? You love the I told you so. Go back to one of the very first episodes of Kings of the Podcast, and what I said about Kovalchuk at the time was, I don't expect him to be on the team next year. And I said that you you would ask me, well, is he going to be traded or what's going to happen? And I said, I think he'll be part of the team this year. I don't think that he would be traded, but that over the summer something would happen. So... He's not going to be on the team next year. The only question now is how soon is that trade going to come or what's the exit going to yeah, look who's like? Who's the taker? I mean, what, at this point I don't know. Time, and, and why could you get in value back? You know, a conditional I don't think you pick? need to get anything back in value. If there's another, you, you, you basically are the, doing the equivalent of putting him on waivers. You can't put him on waivers because right. of the no-move no clause. So you're, But you're essentially going to give him away, like you said, Future for conditional considerations. Pick. Absolutely. I'll tell you what, DB, yeah. we don't need to do a whole show on Kovalchuk. Agreed. We've spoken our mind. Blake has spoken his mind. We We've also tweeted some stuff out there. So if you want more Kobe news, go to Dennis at or at Dennis TFP. Go to at Mayor NHL. <laughs> we can move on. Yes. We have a lot to cover here tonight, DB. Not only when we get to Gaspar Kopitar, but we just in the first period alone. Um, let's go through a list of players here. Perkorkin. Uh, earlier, we had told you that there was roughly a 30-day window, and around November 1st, the Kings were looking to make a decision. I checked in on that recently. Um, I was told there's nothing imminent, and basically they want to get him a f- into a few NHL games before they really uh, broach that conversation. So tonight was one of those games. We'll see how many more games he gets here, possibly plays out the homestand, and then they're going to have to make some sort of a decision. It would be nice if they actually used him when they put him in the game, Joe. Oh, so you think that three minutes in the first period... Yeah. Less than three minutes, right? I think 9.41 for the whole run is okay. not really an indicator. It's not. Well, yeah, it's okay. A little bit more, John. So, okay. A little bit more is needed. I like uh, Blake Lazat, you probably want to give a shout out to the Lizard, I'm assuming, for his first goal in Montreal. Yeah, great great to see this kid getting, you know, finally culminating in a, an achievement, which she'll always remember for the rest of his life. He brings energy. You know, he's not going to be a 30-goal scorer in this league, but he, he he's... He's an effective player at this point in time. They just don't have enough around him that, you know, if they had better finishes around him, maybe his numbers would be better. But, yeah, it's really good to see him get his first, and especially in a hallowed place like Montreal. Absolutely. Uh, now let's talk about uh, continuing on Sean Walker and Matt Roy. Coming into the year, these guys had a limited number of games that they were going to be able to play in the NHL before they require waivers. What that means is that, and they're not doing this, but if they wanted to, for some reason, They can send Sean Walker down to the American League right now. They can send Matt Roy down, but that's going to change very soon for Sean Walker because at the 21-game mark of the season, 21 games played, not 21 games of the season, when Sean Walker hits 21 games played, he can no longer be sent to the American League. He is now out of waivers. Uh, Matt Roy has 45 games of this NHL season, so we're at 15 games in. I don't think he's played in every game, or maybe he has. So there's about 30 games. Hey, on Sean Walker, I'll give you a stunning number. Right? A goal and an assist. He had the open net goal, that uh, empty net goal that uh, sealed the, the win tonight. Yep. 24-35 time on ice. He that- has the full confidence of Tom McClellan, man. And, and look, he moved the puck well. Uh, he picks and you, you pick his spots with him with respect to who he, he's paired with. But twenty four thirty five is a lot of time for Sean Walker tonight. Absolutely is for a player that most likely on a contending team would be a third pairing guy. They're just Agreed. so thin yep. on the blue line, and he's taking it. Look, he's seizing the opportunity when you have an opportunity like a guy uh, in, in Sean Walker. Uh, you, you have to seize that opportunity. And he, he's approaching very quickly the 21 games played mark, so he's going to be out of waivers. And so what I'm saying there is Sean Walker is going to be with the L.A. Kings for the rest of the season. Yep. Matt Roy has improved, as we talked about on the last podcast. Uh, McClellan sat him down early on, and he's been much better of late. He, and again, he can get to the 45 games played mark. So if you see a guy like Matt Roy get scratched here and there, it, it might just be an indication of them trying to milk that and stretch that out a little sure. bit more, Agreed. more so than it is there's a, you know, quote again, there's no problem. hurry to do that, right? No, there's no, no. no. He's fine. Um, now, uh, another scratch. Adrian Kempe was scratched. 
look, the thing that was lost, I believe, in all of the uh, brief talk with Rob Blake tonight about Kovalchuk, he, when on Adrian Kempe, he said, we're trying to find a place for him. And I say that was lost because no one's talking about, or very few people, us, nobody's, very few people are talking about, there is a place for him. Move him yes. out to the wing. I thought his place was 2C. Mm, didn't work out so it much. It did not work out. I, I don't, John, um, I don't think how, I, look, he's the player that needs the center of the ice to be effective, I think, and you're not going to get that on the wing, and who's going to be a center, and is he going to give enough support on defense? It's... Look, I'm not going to say bust because where he was picked, he's still young. I get all that point, and it wasn't a great draft. I went back and looked, and, you know, maybe Raiden Point was in the third round, but um, it's hard to find a place for him. I, I don't think he's earned it. We, John, when he goes, and, you know, the, the biggest misgiving for me was putting him on the first unit power play. He was so out of sorts there. He wasn't – he's certainly not a point player because he doesn't have a big shot. So to try to get him on the – and can you – Utilize his speed on the power play? No, because you set up in the zone. You need a finisher. He's not a finisher. I think they have to figure it out. But, uh, John, uh, wing, whose wing is he on, John? If, if you're Todd McClellan tomorrow night and you're putting on your board for a game against uh, Detroit and you want to put him in the lineup, where do you put him? Probably with Amadio, um, just because I don't think I'd put him up with Perkorkin just yet. So I, I probably would put him with Amadio if you're, if you're asking me who. Um, I wouldn't put him with Lazat, and, and I wouldn't put him with, you know, Kopitar. So um, the choices are somewhat limited. So that's like left wing four. Uh, well, Amadio was playing left wing, or excuse me, he was playing center on the second line tonight with Carter and Toffoli, but the lines are in flux. Uh, yeah, I, it's, it's, I don't think it's going to end. I, I think that, look, and plus he's a $2 million cap hit. Maybe he's better off being packaged as part of the deal and tries it somewhere else because I, John, I just don't see it. I'm like, I wish I could see, except for playing Montreal and even produce against Montreal. I haven't seen it. I'm like, okay, I see it. I see the, I see a flicker of hope here. I get it. I understand it. He looks really good in practice, John. He, he we're talking practice. Yeah, he would be the perfect player to package in a deal. I would agree there. Yeah. Low cap hit, yeah. minimal commitment, and would because of his age, a GM to, to borrow an old line from from Dean Lombardi. Every GM in the league thinks they can fix, right. fix somebody else's problem. So they're yeah. going to look at Adrian Kempe and think, oh yeah, you know, uh, he's a former high draft pick. We can fix him. Yeah. Let's move on. A lot of players to get to here in the first period. DB Derek Forbert. If you uh, follow along on my Twitter, you've been getting the daily updates. What's going on with him? He, some people don't like the, the daily updates. <laughs> well, <laughs> some people say tweet something when there's something to update us about. No, well, that's called a daily update. Right. And Thank I, you, and I say to those people, tweet when you have something worth tweeting or <laughs> leave the tweets to the professionals, one or the other. But anyway, uh, DB, here's the deal with Derek Forbert. Um, he's not ready to return to game action. Uh, anytime soon. He needs a few more weeks of uh, good skates on his own, is what I'm told, and then they're going to incorporate him into practice. So, yes, we are talking about practice, but Derek yeah. Forbert, for, for all of his warts and for all of his haters, would certainly, you would think, be a welcome addition to a, a yes. defensive group that needs some experience here in Los Angeles. Yeah, well, you can whine about the guy till he's not here, and then you have replacements who, who are not as good. I, look, he's... He's not an offensive defenseman. Could he help the, this team's penalty kill? Probably, right? <laughs> Probably, right? They can't be. And they, they were good tonight, but again, it was Minnesota, so that's no surprise. So, yeah, it, it's, it, it's. So, 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 but he hasn't. He's progressing, right? Progressing. There's, no, there's been no setbacks. No, there's been no was, setbacks. It's just a slow progression. Yeah, right. Look, there was no timetable for for Derek Forbert, and depending upon who you talk to, some people said he might not play the whole season. I mean, that's a real pessimistic attitude. So. Uh, you know, people don't know, especially on the medical side, with 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 injuries exactly and it's how a back, John. Yeah, you don't know thing. how That's it's going to play out. You know, some, and we have a very famous back in this we organization. We do, and we'll get into that so, in the third period. You know. um, let's just say it's a positive <laughs> sign that he's on the ice. Yeah, he's progressing, and like I mentioned, and he will help the team when he comes back. Absolutely, he will. Well, and if they make a trade and move out a defenseman at some yep. point, then that could potentially create an opening for him and 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 perhaps need a need to accelerate his timeline. As of Alec right Martinez. now, as, as, well, you're catching a cold, DB. I am. Um, as of right now, there's no need to accelerate that timetable. Right. So for Again, now, patience. continue to rehab patience. Exactly. Yep. Okay, let's um let's get through the the first period here with one more topic or one more player, and that's Matt Luff. Uh, this is a player they want to get a look at, from what I'm told, while yep. Trevor Lewis is out on IR, and that's why he's going to be getting some playing time. 
Um, I did want to share something, though, two things actually about Matt Leff, though. Num- well, three things. How about this? Number one, he has some half-done ink, which I yes. was talking to him about yes. after the game tonight, and he said he's going to so have bad. to wear some long sleeves <laughs> because he feels, you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's a little naked. Not, well, yeah, yeah, but, you know, because he's in the he's, NHL. He feels incomplete. He, yes, and in the American League, you have more downtime. Now that he's up in the NHL, he's going to have more practices, more games, more right. travel. So he's going to wear some long sleeves for a while. <laughs> uh, sorry, ladies, if you wanted to get a peek at his, uh, his tattoos, you might have to just go to his Instagram, but be careful because he does tweet about his underwear too. So just as a fair warning there. Um, what a guy. I am just, it's what a full a service shop here yeah, at Kings of the Podcast. Here's the thing though on yeah. Matt Luff, he's wearing number 64 and here's an interesting trivia note, DB. Yeah. If we decided to do a numerology segment on 64, it would be a very short segment <laughs> because there is only one player in the 50 plus year history of the Los Angeles Kings that has worn 64. Wow, I would have said none. I wasn't the first. Well, he is the first. Okay. Nobody prior. Oh, nobody prior. No, no, no. Okay, Matt yeah. Luff is the only player that's ever okay. worn 64. Uh, interesting little side note to that. Nobody has ever worn 65 or 66 in Los Angeles. Okay. So, yeah. Just, Who would wear 66? I well, now wear. nobody. But, I mean, you know, there oh, were years the day, there right. before Mario, but nobody wore high numbers back yeah, then yeah, anyway. True. But, yeah, yeah, so nobody probably will ever wear 66, but 65 is available. Uh, so 64, we will have to see how long Matt Love stays at 64. Now, here's the thing. He's been wearing 25 down in Ontario, which was mm-hmm. a number switch this year right. from what he was wearing previously. There were a number of uh, uh, switches around. Um and 25, Dustin Penner, one of the yeah, very first yes, questions yes. that Penn's asked us was, is anybody wearing my number? And I love the fact that he lays claim to it. Not is anybody wearing 25. Is anybody wearing my number? And he said it as if he owned 25. Right. So um, if Matt Luff come, uh, decides to change that number or if he's given the opportunity to change that number, he may have to give Dustin Penner a phone call. Last comment on Matt Luff before we wrap up the first period here, DB, is yeah. this. We don't have a good hashtag for Matt Luff. Um, been talking to some people about this, been trying to come up with something. Look, I think the puns are too easy. It's not who I it's am. It's corny, It's John. not who, okay, well, I was trying to it's be polite. Not, it's not It's not us. who we are. It's no. not our brand. It's not no, us. And so, corny. you know, um, Luff in life, and you know, I don't even know what all these things are, but all of these puns, they just don't work for me. Like, no, like, movie, no spinoff movie titles, like, no. Luff Naturally. No, 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 no. It's, come on. So we're going to have Creativity. a contest. Please, John. I, DB's going to take the winner out to a steak dinner. He's going <laughs> to yeah. buy him an umbrella drink. I'm putting you on the spot here, Dennis. <laughs> so you need to send us your Matt Luff hashtags. Look, let me give you some good ones, okay? Jeff Carter, hashtag all he does is score. Beautiful. Uh, Kaliev, hashtag goals are good. That's phenomenal. Or this is Xbox is my new favorite one that I've been using with him recently. Kyle Clifford, the Colonel. These are all good hashtags. We need a good hashtag for Matt Luff. So if you have one, tweet it over to the show at Kings of the Pod or tweet it to me at Mayor NHL or to Dennis. Just somehow, some way, get it over to us. You know how to get it to us. Just okay. get it to us. Get it Let's to go. us so we can get a good hashtag uh, for Matt Luff. And then the final comment tonight here in the first period, DB, I do just want to say we have a briefcase update. Oh, wow. Saw Jeff Sullivan uh, after the game tonight, bouncing as we were going from the locker room over to the uh, Todd McClellan press conference next door. And Sully has a bodyguard with him now. Does he? He did. He absolutely did. Um, so I've been telling you that Sully's on to us. And, you know, a couple weeks ago, he tucked the briefcase into his jacket because he was afraid we were going to take it. And tonight, Ron Hextall wasn't just walking with him. Ron Hextall was almost like a backpack. He was like Secret Service. <laughs> he was right up on this Sully is the as they were walking down the hallway. The so I think that he might have slipped him a 20 or maybe a 100 on the way to the room and said, hey, stay close. I, I have a question. Now, that spurs a question for me. Um, you're a big-time wrestling aficionado. Sully and Hexy, give me a comparable tag team. Uh, oh, oh of course. This would be this would be uh, Mike Rotunda when he was uh, the IRS. That would be Sully. Would be would be him with the briefcase. Yeah, with the briefcase. With the briefcase. And I have to go back and remember. Was he with Barry Windham? Yeah, it was yeah, Windham and Rotunda. Rotunda. Yeah. They repackaged him. Barry Windham. Yeah. Wow, that guy could work. Really had a, a great yeah. work ethic. And uh, it was, ended up being in the Four Horsemen eventually. Beautiful. So fantastic. it all ties back all together. Ties DB, back, how about that? You like that? That's fantastic. That's. John, that's why it was such a great team. And I, I asked a question, and you you pull it out of the— I need you, to tweet that to picture out tonight you of, of Rotunda yes. because that's Jeff Solomon. <laughs> Sully, I love it. I wonder if he ever watched wrestling. <laughs> we'll be back, DB, with the second period special guest, Gaspar Kopitar, coming up. Broken bones and broken glass, broken hearts. 
Welcome back to the second period, Kings of the Podcast. And uh, our special guest here on this episode is Gaspar Kopitar. Gaspar, what's happening? How you doing, guys? Thanks for having me. Well, we appreciate having you on. Uh, look, I'm going to get right to it. Uh, I have been bugging you for many, many years. You need to go into coaching or you need to go into scouting. I love talking hockey with you. What's the deal? I know you're busy, but when are you going to go into coaching or when are you going to go into scouting? Uh, I actually am coaching right now. I'm just with uh, 13-year-olds over at Toyota Sports Center. I coach with Brad Beebe. It's the Bantam Minor AAA program. So um, for those who know, they won the Quebec tournament as Peewees last year. and then Which is a really big deal in that, in that circle. Yeah, it's, it's a like huge the deal. tournament. Yeah, it's it's a huge deal. Unbelievable group of kids, and yeah, great staff. We have Kyle Calder on our staff too, so we're we're just having a blast right now. What about the scouting side? I know you're having fun coaching, but uh, you have such an incredible eye for talent. And when I've talked to you about players before, the scouting tips and sort of the notes that you've given me, they always pan out to be true. I don't know if that comes from your dad or what. Obviously, who does uh, scouting for the Kings, but. When are you going to get into the scouting side of it so I can start texting you and, and getting some inside information? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, uh, I would love to get into that part of the game. Uh, right now, I'm pa- really passionate about coaching. Uh, I want to stay close to the game. Not that scouting isn't, but uh, just standing behind the bench and feel that adrenaline again. Uh, it feels good. All right, so let's talk about your career a little bit. For people that don't know, um, you played in the USHL. You, you, were, uh, you were actually the captain with Des Moines, if I remember correctly. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. And when you and I spoke way back in the day when you were there in Des Moines, I, I remember one of the things that stuck with me was you talked about the pressure of having to play with the Kopitar name and how people always expected you to be a goal scorer, and that wasn't your game. Can you just kind of talk about that maybe for a little bit and yeah, share with the fans? Yeah, for sure. It's, it was hard growing up. Even in Slovenia, previous to moving to uh, to USA, um, everybody just expected me to be uh, copy and paste of Andre, and obviously that is not the case, and never was the case. So uh, yeah, it, it was hard just because everybody, oh, we have Kopitar on the team now, now we're all safe. It didn't work that way, obviously. Um, he's a complete player. I was trying to be, and it didn't <laughs> it didn't pan out. But uh, yeah, I had a great coach in Des Moines. You mentioned Des Moines, and he just let me be myself, and I really enjoyed my time in Des Moines. Yeah, yeah, I remember you talking about that. That you know, it was such an unpleasant experience in Portland at the WHL level, but that you really did enjoy uh, Des Moines. And, and that that pressure, though, of living up to the Kopitar name, if I'm correct, and if you're willing to share at different times, it actually. It made you very sour on the game of hockey at different points, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, you you get scaled up to a person that is a superstar in the NHL. It's obviously not going <laughs> to end well for me. So having having being a brother of an NHL superstar, yes, absolutely, it was hard at times. It, it wasn't fun coming to the ring because I don't know the the guys and the coaching staff at some point expected me to to do everything basically and that's just not the type of player I was. Let's talk about some of the more fun times though. I would have to imagine that Mora uh, in 2012 during the lockout you get Kopi to come over there and to, well, I guess you're Kopi too I can't say Kopi. <laughs> so you get Anje to come over there and he's going to play with you and the next thing you know Anje's recruiting Bobby Ryan to come over. You guys are all on the same line together. That was a, kind of a good time for Mayor's Manor as well. We were talking all the time and, and posting video and pictures of what you guys were doing over there but just can you talk at all a little bit about that experience? I, I would imagine that was such a high point in your career to be able to play with Andre and, and just share that really special moment, even though for him at the time, being in the lockout probably wasn't a high point in his career, let's say. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that was, I said it before. It was like waking up in the morning and turning your PlayStation on and then just insert yourself <laughs> with Bobby Ryan and Andre Kopitar. That's great. It was absolutely outstanding. Um, I mean, played with... NHL superstars like that was super fun, and we had a lot of fun off the ice as well. So it was, uh, yeah, it was incredible. Now, uh, I tweeted out earlier today one of my favorite pictures from that time period, and hopefully there's a great story behind it, or you're just going to tell me you don't even remember. But there's that picture, and, and it's like the Three Stooges thing. Uh, Andre has his hand up, and, you know, you're, you're trying to poke him in the eyes. Give me, give me something. Yeah. There has to be a funny story behind that picture. Um, I, 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 no, no, it was, I do remember it was, uh, 
we did a couple weird interviews over there in Sweden. We did one with mini golfing. I, I believe that's still on YouTube. <laughs> it, it was just the language barrier and everything. We're kind of used to media over here being upfront about everything. And I remember the photographer goes, hey, just be brothers. And I was like, I don't <laughs> know what that means. It's a picture. <laughs> like, well, you start rolling the camera, I might be able to do something for you. And he goes, I don't know, just pretend like you're poking each other's eyes. So that's how that picture came about. <laughs> oh, by the way, uh, for the listeners, there's a, I think it's UCLA and USC that are playing on the ice. There's uh, yeah, about correct. 50 yeah. fans on the ice. Yeah. Or, I'm sorry, in the stands, or maybe a couple hundred screaming. And there was a goal scored. USC and there was scored. a goal that was scored. Or they just loved uh, uh, Gasper's story, one or the other. Um, Manch Vegas. Y you played a number of years there in Manchester. Um, every player that plays there talks about what a fun town it is. It's that college environment. A great building there, especially for a minor league team. Just any memories at all that you take away from your time in Manchester? No, oh, yeah, I loved, uh, I loved Manchester. I mean... Going from Ontario, being so close to home, it was uh, a little bitter at first. But then once I got there, we had an amazing coaching staff to start with. Richard Seeley, that's now the GM up Ontario Reign, and Jeff Giuliano that used to play for the LA Kings. It was, it was so much fun. They made hockey so much fun and on and off the ice, too. And, uh, yeah, that, that city deserves... Uh, better what they got now not having a hockey team yeah they certainly don't have a hockey team and, and people are talking about trying to put an ahl team back in there we'll have to see um what happens there uh this this current la kings team i mean you're in an interesting position because you 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 see the game differently than the average fan sitting in the stands at staples center but what do you make of this team right now and where they're at compared to where they were maybe say last year obviously under a different coach yeah, I think they're very exciting to watch. Um, there's a couple really good young kids coming up that will take the reins in the next couple of years, and that's always fun to see. Um, but, yeah, I mean, back in 2012 and 14, they were going for it. They, how do I say it, they didn't necessarily sell the farm, but they gave up a lot of picks, and it's showing right now. But imagine, I always say it to, to the fans when they're complaining, oh, the Kings aren't winning, the Kings aren't winning. But look at it this way. What if they didn't win the two cups? Now you're sitting here bottom of the league and with nothing to show for. At least they got two banners up in Staples Center to show for something. So when the fans start complaining to Dennis and they start complaining to me on Twitter, we can send them your way and you can answer a couple of those those questions. Whoa. DB, get those those yeah. forwards ready. Hey, we've got his Twitter handle. We yeah. could put it out after the game and say, look, we're no longer answering questions. We have a much more educated guy, yes. a much more cultured guy in yes. Gaspar who can answer these questions for you. So please direct all your venom and your anger at him. Yeah. Well, not at no. him. No. <laughs> Just the questions. Okay. Just the questions. Yeah, he's, he's not coming back on the podcast if they direct all of, their, back on my all of their venom. Maybe um, your podcast. Who are, who are some of the players that you – I mean, I know Anderson Dolan, is, he's like the adopted son right now. He's living in the guest house. But uh, and uh, who, are, who are some of the younger players that you've taken a little bit of a liking to? Are there any in, in particular? Yeah, I, Jad, obviously, I – pay a clo close attention to him just because he lives at the guest house. Um, I liked uh, Rasmus Kapari just because that European side of me still wants to see a good European kid come up. Uh, uh, same with Bjornfoot. Um, I yet to make uh, a drive out to Ontario, but I'm going to in near future to see how, how those guys are doing. You like? Do you have an opinion yet? Do you, do you think Kapari should be playing center or he should be playing wing? I'm on the put him on the wing bandwagon only because when I saw him up close and personal at the World Juniors playing wing, I thought he was so spectacular there, and I'd like to see him play out there on the wing a little bit in Ontario. I don't know. If he's a natural center like they say he is, I, I feel like they should stick with him at the center spot, especially in the SM Liga. He played center when he was over there in Finland. So uh, I think he's just got to grow into his body a little bit and get a little stronger, especially here in the West with some of the big centermans or around the league now, all the big centermans. So um, I say stick, stick him at center and see how it pans out. Yes, I got a question for you. Um, you're coaching 13-year-old kids. Like, how much better are these kids at 13 than you were when you were 13? 
the group that I'm coaching right now are much, much better. Really? Yes. Skill-wise, speed-wise, everything, right? They They have everything. They have nowadays, back when I was growing up, I had one coach, and it was my dad. Right. He would do skating, shooting, stick handling, uh, the game of hockey, everything. Now, these kids have everything. They have skating coaches, shooting coaches. They have everything. And, yeah, their, their skill – uh, we have a couple kids that hit puberty already, so they're they're growing and th- sure. they're big. So you can actually see their skating stride now and everything. They're not peewees or let's say they're they're smaller, but yeah, these kids their skill is unbelievable. the The most fascinating thing to me was even being on the bench, saying something to a 13 year old usually doesn't go well. Either they don't understand you or they blow you off, whatever. With these kids, you give them an in-game adjustment, and they're right on it. Yeah, I was pleasantly surprised with that. Is that because they're more like technology savvy, and they're just more worldly? I think at this age than than we were growing up. You yeah, part I, of it? I I I think so. Now, even looking, they have all th- their own video. They can watch their own ships and everything. We have uh, we have applications that we purchase for these kids when we just basically send a game and they chop it up for them, and then we just email out the parents and they can watch their own ships. And, yeah, it's incredible. I didn't have that at the pro level, let alone at the bantam level. <laughs> uh, when Kopi, when Anjay, I'm sorry, yeah. it's so weird, Kopi to Kopi. <laughs> when Anjay came on uh, as the first guest ever here on Kings of the Podcast, he let us know that um, he received some coaching from you over the summer. So tell me about that. You're talking about an NHL superstar, a guy who two years ago was nominated for the Hart Trophy. You're talking about the pressures of growing up and trying to, you know, be like Anjay, and yet in your coaching role now, you actually can add input and value, and your brother's acknowledging that. Tell us a little bit about what you taught him over the summer. Yeah, for sure. I mean, being moving here when he was in his second year, watching all the games, and then even when I moved away to Des Moines and Portland, and then later in Sweden, I still watched his games and still obviously knew what his game was all about. But this summer, yeah, I... um, I still think he can shoot a little more in games. I yes. think he's... Um, <laughs> Let's repeat that again. Yeah. And then can we cut that loop up? And sit, yeah. Can we email that to Anjay? Yeah. Shoot the puck more. Yeah. He, yeah, th- that's what is basically trying to just to trust him, trust his shot because he has a really good shot and he showed it a couple of times this year against Calgary here at home when he absolutely roofed it on, uh, I, I believe was the penalty kill. Um, yeah, it was. Yep, that yeah, shorthanded break. Yeah, yep. it was. That's just coming across. And if you have it in the middle, I tell my kids the same thing. You have it in the middle on your forehand on top of the slot. Why pass it? Just shoot it. Do you tell? I'm just curious now. Do you tell the kids, "Hey, I'm giving you the same advice that I gave Anjay." Does that <laughs> does that help at all when you when you drop his name, or do you? Uh, I don't. Okay. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I. I don't really go around and telling people that I coach them. I just we did a slight <laughs> adjustment on his shot. That that was about it. Okay, so now I do have a question. Okay, right. I text a picture of Gaspar talking to us, and Andre wants to, me to ask you about your dance competitions. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> okay, let's hear it. Come on. So, uh, Mora was a tiny, tiny town. We had probably two hours of daylight second half of November all the way through the winter so there was not not much to do so it's four hours north of Stockholm if you're pulling up a map or whatever yeah so I had a PlayStation that I brought originally with me and then when um, Anjay and his wife came we we started playing we started playing golf and we played a little bit of FIFA we played a little baseball we played everything and it kind of got boring over time so we went out, and it was a uh, Best Buy-type store, and we got those um, sensors. It's like a Wii controller right. deal yeah, for okay. PlayStation. And with, with that, it came, um, uh, what was the, the game called? Just Dance 2. <laughs> Not Just Dance 1. No, it Just was Dance 2. 2. It was so it popular, w- they came <laughs> with a second yeah. one. And... <laughs> we the one day we must have danced in front of the TV <laughs> for about good three or four hours. It was incredible. 
Yeah, how come you never sent me any of those pictures? That would have well, been great. I don't think we took it. No. We have a couple of videos, but those aren't for public. We oh. we're not very good dancers. I want to go back. <laughs> uh, I want to. That's a good quote too. I want to go back to Mora though, real quickly. I have long maintained that Bobby Ryan was about one phone call away from coming to the LA Kings, and that he was destined to be a member of the Kings. Not only because of comments that Bobby had shared, but I mean, you go back to Anjay recruiting him to come over there. What, what can you say about during that time about any conversations that might have been had, even in a joking way, about his interest in being an LA King or, or, or even Anjay's interest in having Bobby Ryan as part of the Kings? Yeah, for sure. Especially before that lockout, I'm pretty sure Bobby had a really good year in Anaheim. Um, so I don't think he was trying to get traded or anything because he was playing with Getzleff and Perry at the time, so life was good for him. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, we made a couple jokes. But it was more jokingly about the rivalry of, uh, between the Ducks and the Kings and then him recruiting a Duck to come play with us in, in Sweden. It's a, it's a pretty funny story. Yeah, Bobby Ryan uh, just always seemed to be hanging around Kings parties or king's events i think he was even at dustin brown's uh event at the house of blues of anaheim yeah, yeah. just the and warrior they, event, and they right? were yeah. no 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 it was the stick company the stick uh thing. not cooper well i, I can't think of the name yeah. of it right now I but anyway about. um yeah that event there the first time i met you i think it was actually sure <laughs> faithful night no i wasn't sure what no. it was a company that was only in business or yeah. they went out of business shortly after mm, exactly. brownie signed to deal with them but uh, the relationship there was dustin brown and bobby ryan from team usa but it just always seemed like bobby ryan was going to he was destined to be a king until gabrick came here and that sort of ended that window of what they were looking for to do out there on the wing so uh gasper give us your your fearless predictions here we'll let you go out on top tonight thanks for stopping by second period what are you expecting I won't put you on the spot trade-wise, but what are you expecting from one of the young players who's going to really have a breakout year that, uh, you know, over the balance of this season here? One of the young players that's going to go big. Is it Matt Luff? Who is it? Huh. I really like, uh, I don't even know how to say his last name. Is it Lazat? Yes. I think he's going to get his confidence uh, a little higher, and he'll have a big impact on the season like he already has. But a, a, a horse, gosh, I would like to pick Austin Wagner because he's so fast. I wish he could have scored a, a couple more goals. But um, can I don't you coach know. him? Can no. he come to the? Can he come to the he's Gasper too fast. Clinics? He's too, he's too fast. fast. Yeah. Too fast. <laughs> I wouldn't be able to catch up. You have to him. sit him down and give <laughs> yeah. him the instructions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, there you go, Gasper. We appreciate you yeah, coming really. on. Kings Thanks of the so podcast. much. Man. Appreciate it. First visit, and uh, we'll have to get you back on. Thank you, guys. Appreciate Anytime. it. We'll be back soon for the third period. Welcome back to the third period of Kings of the Podcast with DB and the Mayor. Welcome back for the third period, DB. Uh, nice segment there with Gaspar Kopitar. Yeah, a good kid, man. Uh, he's got a future in this game, man. It depends if it's coaching or scouting or whatever, but he's very, very knowledgeable and uh, not sure he's that good of a dancer, but uh, we'll, over we'll overlook that. Yeah, I will tell you uh, the same thing that I said in the interview, DB. I've been talking to him for a long, long time. It feels like about 10 years now. And every time I talk to him about players and just sort of the, the evaluation side of things, I always come away impressed. I was Even during his playing days in Des Moines, I was talking to him about being a scout one day. So I'm still holding out hope for that. Obviously, he's, uh, he's really excited about the coaching that, that, you know, situation right now and good for him. And um, I hope that goes somewhere for him. He's, he's a good guy. Yeah, like we need to bring him back on during the season. Absolutely. All right, let's, uh, let's hit the rain report here real, real quickly. Um, look, just a couple of things. Uh, the rain are back from their longest road trip of the year. They were out in Iowa, and they were out in uh, Colorado. They have a home-and-home -home coming up this weekend against San Diego. And the two keynotes there are Martin Frick. He is uh, out hurt right now. I did check in just before we went on the air to find out what's going on. They don't have a timetable yet on when he will be returning, so it's possible he could play this weekend. And he's a big part of the uh, the Ontario rain offense, so that would be a big yeah, hit if he's out. he's been doing great down there. Nice yeah, he, sign, nice depth signing. Maybe he gets a shot here sometime during the season. Yeah, and he fires uh, fires that puck uh, at will from the top of the circle. And then, of course, with Matt Luff being called up to the NHL as well, that's now two players, uh, two you know, two players that 
uh, Coach Stuthers would normally expect to have in the lineup right. and that are contributing offensively. Now, the big news related to the Ontario Reign, I tweeted this out earlier today, and fans are going wild here at Staples Centre as I bring up the yeah, name Gabe going Velarde. Off and everything. Yeah, let's go. Yeah, let me wait till the horn is gone, DB. Gabe Velarde update here. I uh, tweeted it out earlier today that uh, he his time with the law firm of Johnson & Stoll appears to be over. He's going to join the Ontario Reign for practice on Wednesday, and that means full practice without the red contact jersey. So really good news in the development of Gabe Velarde. Still a ways off from playing a game, so everybody can pump the brakes, but this is a step in the right direction. We're in November. Everybody relax. First, <laughs> Happy New Year, everyone. Come back to us in the New Year. Give him more time to get up to full speed and take some contact in practice, and then... You take it from there, but it's a really good sign that he can consistently get on the ice at this point, John. I think that you will see him in a game uh, before New Year, the New Year, but uh, I will say this. The timing is so weird of all of this, DB, because it was one year ago right now when we were talking about Gabe Velarde and then him getting into games with the Ontario Reign and uh, was up covering the game in Bakersfield, and then he was... He played a couple games in Ontario and San Diego, and it's just it's freaky how this is all sort of same time of the year. What's really freaky, John, is that um, I know we're talking about scheduling Kings of the Podcast recording in the future, yes. and then you told me about a circumstance where yes. um, we were looking at a, a Monday recording and the Rams have a, a, home, a Monday night a home game, and so then maybe later in the week I think they play the Islanders, and then that's the same night that you think that maybe Gabe gets into a game. That could be, John. I know, I know it's a stretch here. I almost don't even want you to say it because I don't want you to taste be it. <laughs> my, my opportunity to drive down the 10 past be. Irwindale in the Miller Brewing Company factory. And, I love and visiting, Irwindale is yeah, your point always, of reference. That is, it's always Irwindale, bro. Uh, to, to visit the... Uh, is it the vault now? The go- no, the garage. It the was garage. the vault I when just, it was I CBDA. never get it right. It's, it's the garage. I'm it's consistent, Toyota. though. Okay. Gar- you are consistent. I am consistent, Just yes. make it out to a game and I, call that, it whatever you want. That could be the game, John. The, the Velarde's first the game. The fans are going crazy, DB. They, just they, the they heard that. They you heard the rumor. You haven't committed yet. Just the thought of you. That's a bigger so rumor than Kovalchuk sitting. Kings bro. of the podcast on the road. All right, moving on. Let's hit a couple of prospect notes. It's all about the LA Kings prospects this year as you start to look ahead, Kings fans, to players that will be key components or could, maybe should, uh, be part of the LA Kings moving forward. So, uh, Turcott picked up three goals over the weekend against Omaha. He was the second star in his conference there in the uh, in, in college hockey. John, was he sick or was he hurt? Is that why he missed games? Uh, no, he was sick. He was sick. Yeah, okay. he was not hurt. He was sick. There was a, a, a like a stomach virus or something going, going the through the entire team. Mm-hmm. A bunch of guys missed time. And yeah, he missed, uh, uh, I think it was one game, maybe two games, but he's back. Picked up three goals. Wisconsin's having a rough go. They're dropping in the polls. Uh, Penn State is moving up in the polls. And uh, quietly, UMass Lowell, which is where Andre Lee is, seventh round pick from this past year in the draft for the Kings, they're quietly moving up. Uh, but look, there was a little bit of Kings on Kings crime. Over the weekend, your favorite. The yep. can- it was the Canine Cup took place again. Akil Thomas picked up two goals, two assists, had four points. Kaliev had a goal. That was when Hamilton met up with Niagara. And then we do have some more Kings on Kings crime coming up at the end of the uh, month. Cole Holtz, Penn State, going up against the aforementioned UMass Lowell and Andre Lee. You know, you're a prospect guy, but I actually did turn on the Canadian-Russian series. Oh, and speaking Aiden, of Aiden Dudas played. Yes, he did on wing. And then I kind of turned it he, off. Okay, so here's the deal. I, <laughs> I, have, a, I have an update for you in and that, please. yes, the Canada-Russia series. The game was on the NHL Network. Uh, Aiden Dudas, who uh, is trying desperately to make Team Canada for the World Junior uh, squad coming up next month. Uh, Dudas played uh, in the second game, which was Monday night. He played right wing one. Right. And then uh, Akil Thomas... Uh, formerly the defenseman from the Niagara Ice right. Dogs. The 29-minute-a-night yes. defenseman. Yes, was back <laughs> playing center. He played on the 2C. Um, look, I talked to some scouts. I picked up some notes. They loved Akil Thomas, said he played really well, played in all situations. Aiden Dudas was involved. He was hunting down pucks, trusted in key situations. He was the first uh, guy out there on the PK. Uh, and look, uh, Team Russia, they split 4-3 wins with the, the Quebec League. And then when they came up against the Ontario League, the OHL won the first game 4-1. Second game... With the game you watched, DB, Russia took that game 3-2 in a shootout, and Akil Thomas did have the puck on his stick that could have tied it in the shootout and unfortunately couldn't get a shot off. Joe, 
what do you see the ceiling for Thomas? What do you see him fitting in this organization? Akil Thomas could be a Tusi, I think. Um, I, I also think that he's like so many of the other Kings young centers. You really sort of have to start to figure out at some point, is he better off as a center or is he going to have to come in as a wing? Got it. Really, because they just have, they have a glut of centers. But Akil Thomas is an offensive-minded center. Great hands, especially in tight. He can dish the puck. He can create offense uh, you know, for his line mates, for his teammates. He, and he's look. He put on some uh, some size and some muscle uh, over the summer this summer. And Coach Mike Stuthers was really impressed with him in training camp. And uh, it's going to be interesting because I think that Akil Thomas is going to end up being traded out of Niagara right after the World Junior uh, Championship in there. In the you know the end of, or first week of January. So moving on, DB. Um, I want to tell you about moving off from the prospects. I have to tell you the full story behind the Chris Sutter conversation. Please do. Okay. So I'm in Anaheim the other night, and I'm covering the Oilers against the Ducks, and we'll get to that in a few minutes. But Chris Sutter is there, and uh, I, I haven't seen Chris. Um, I always like running into Chris. Always has a big smile, a fist bump, a handshake, whatever. So I'm, I, I'm, I just I wasn't expecting him to be there because I wasn't thinking about it. I had tweeted earlier that uh, he he was back in town around Halloween and that he was set to make his debut there at the, uh, in Anaheim with the Ducks. But I had sort of put that in the back of my mind for whatever reason. I wasn't thinking that after watching Connor McDavid score a hat trick. So I come around this corner right before I go into the Oilers locker room, and boom, I run into Chris. He has a big, huge smile on his face. He's happy to see me. Hey, how you doing? Fist bump. Hey, Chris, how you doing? First thing out of his mouth, he points to the Ducks jersey that he's wearing, and he says, I'm still a Kings fan, though. Had to tell me <laughs> right awesome. out of the gate. It was awesome. I said, oh, that's cool. You know, it's cool, Chris. You know, it's awesome. You know, does it feel a little bit weird wearing, you know, the jersey? And he wants to tell me, look, hey, man, I'm fans of a lot of teams. I'm, I'm fans of my brother's team. He's talking about the Ontario Reign. He says, I still like going to the games there. I'm fans of every team or any team that my dad's involved in. So I was a fan of the Calgary Flames. And, you know, obviously I was a Kings fan. And now I'm, I'm a fan here of the Ducks. He said, but the Kings are my team. I love the Kings. And, and he, just, he just kept going on and on about this. And then I said, well, Chris, I'm really glad to hear that. I said, because uh, he mentioned something about Drew Doughty. Oh, Drew Doughty was his favorite player. And I said, well, Chris, I just have to tell you, the first week of training camp, we were talking to Drew uh, about the fact that you weren't, you know, that your dad was now in Anaheim and, you know, asking Drew what he was going to think or how he was going to feel if he saw you wearing a Ducks jersey. And, and uh, Dowdy told me, or told us how much it was going to hurt him uh, to see you in that. And you should have seen the look on Chris's face. It was like I just. Crestfallen. I mean, just. Crushed. Devastated. But, yeah. But, DB, he rebounded in half a second. <laughs> so instant frown, instant sadness, empathy was there, looked right at me and said, and he kind of pointed and poked me in the chest almost, kind of like Daryl would, and he, and he just poked me and he goes, I have to go see Drew, and I need to give him a hug and tell him that it's going to be okay. <laughs> That's amazing. And I was like, oh, Chris, this is just... What a pure soul, it, right? It, it mean, was really. so awesome. DB, I was on cloud nine. I can't even describe it. I was on cloud nine after this interaction because he's just such a great guy to talk to. He's so yep. fun. Yep. And just for him to immediately tell me, I'm a Kings fan. He wanted to go on record. He <laughs> on needed, the record. He, needed to, he, needed he knew to you were going to report yeah, that, John. Was, That's it why. Was, it was great. And and just when I told him about Drew, and, and man, it would have been great to ask Drew about it tonight because I'm sure that Chris is... Uh, he's going to deliver on that hug. He needs to give yeah, uh, without a doubt. He needs yeah. to give him a hug. Now, look, we're going to do a lap around the NHL here, transitioning, and we're going to talk about Sweden. And at the end of the Sweden talk, I'm going to bring it back full circle to that Edmonton game and tell you another story that somewhat ties back to Chris Sutter. So sure. you're back from Sweden. You're in North America. Yeah. You saw Tampa Bay against Buffalo. Two games over there. Just uh, what did you see? What did you experience? What did Bettman have to say? What other tidbits did you bring back for us, Stevie? Well, a couple of things, John. Uh, the thirst for the hunger for game, NHL games over there is insatiable. Right? They've already announced next year they're going to go back over to um, the Predators in Boston are going to probably play in Switzerland uh, preseason games and then open the season like the one game in Prague, which is going to be amazing. And then Col uh, Columbus and Colorado going over to Helsinki. Not a big fan of Helsinki. We're going to skip that one. But um, great event. Tampa had uh, certainly... Victor Wait a minute. Yeah. We're, we're, we're highly ranked in Finland, and you might have just crushed that I might have crushed the ratings in Finland, but it's okay. okay. It just It's... It's not. It's not, not for not you. Joy, it's, it's not the same joy. That, look, there's not a lot of joy when it's when the sun's going down at three thirty in the afternoon, and that's what it was when in, in Stockholm. But um, they love the game. 
Victor Hedman is a huge star in Sweden. It was all about Victor, actually, basically. Now, Buffalo had five Su- Swedish guys on the team, Marcus Johansson, Erasmus Dahlin, uh, Victor Olofsson, but it was all about, um, it was all about Victor Hedman. And he talked about being on the ice when he played the national anthem. Very you know, unemotional guy because that's what Swedes are a lot of times. He had tears in his eyes listening to the national anthem, playing in his home city. Uh, it was a really special weekend for him. The fans are amazing. They're well-behaved. Uh, they know the game. 13,000 tickets were sold um, in, um, in in minutes. So th- this is going to continue. And all the stuff that, like, if you don't like the stadium series or the global series or the China series, which is probably going to come back next season, um, get used to it. Um, now, it's funny. I asked Bettman in the press conference about marrying the two concepts of the stadium series and the global series, and having an outdoor game in a soccer stadium somewhere in Europe. Oh, so you so you like that 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 little tidbit there? From, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. And so <laughs> from a few shows ago, exactly. So and he um, he said that they had ironically had a meeting with some big time Swedish managers uh, the day before, and that that question came up about doing that, and his the, the man the managers from Sweden said nope, not interested. And I said, well, that's really weird. Why would that be? He said because. Um, the NHL authentic experience is in arena, not in a big stadium. Like that, so they don't care to blow it up to have fifty thousand, you know, seat in a in a soccer stadium in Stockholm. They when they want the NHL to come to town, they want it in an arena like Staples Center, like the Ericsson Globe. So they, they don't think it's going to be on. Now that's that's not saying that John they couldn't play a game in Wembley or somewhere else in, in yeah, but in, in that Europe. in so in, in Sweden, Sweden when that meeting to Sweden, them the- authentic NHL is. Inside an arena, um, and so I think that's going to continue like that. They'll probably go back there in a couple of years. I think they won't go back to Stockholm. They'll probably do what they did a couple of years ago. We think with the Devils, they go to Gothenburg and plays probably uh, somewhere outside of Stockholm. But the, the, it was really well received. Uh, people love it. People come from all parts of uh, Europe to watch these games, and I think it's a great experience to get over for a fan to come over from North America. It's expensive. The airfare is long. It's a long trip. It took me 15 hours to get home, but every time I go over there, I enjoy it because I see the the fervor and the the hunger these fans have, and especially the kids. The kids love the game over there. Swedish kids were going crazy for Victor Hedman, all the different players. So it's a great experience. It's going to continue, um, and it just and the fans, you know, you know what? The, the players they get it. They understand it. It there is. A long way to go to uh, for just two games, and when you're on the losing end like Buffalo was, it hurts even more. But um, you know, uh, Ralph Kruger, the coach of Buffalo, couldn't be more complimentary towards the way they were treated, and they understand they understand that we want to grow this game globally. This is one of the ways to do it. There's a lot of time and investment in that. And um, during our uh, hot stove show, we actually have uh, Steve Maron, who's the chief content officer uh, for the NHL, and he gave me an amazing statistic, which I was stunned at, John, and I tweeted this early in the week. They sold 86,000 tickets for the Cotton Bowl for, for the Winter Classic, and it's Dallas and Nashville. These are not two original six teams with a lot of legacy of hockey, yeah, and, and the Cotton Bowl is an old stadium. It's not Jerry World. So for them to sell 86,000 tickets in a 92,000-seat capacity um, arena right now is just stunning. So these games... And Steve said they just want to make these events bigger and better, and they try to find out different ways how to do it. He's the guy that's responsible for having, you know, all the different rock bands and having Luke Bryan, uh, you know, have the people in, in Nashville streaming you know, miles down the road. So it was a really, really eye-opening situation. But these big events, the NHL loves it. The fans who participate love in it. So the ones that the people that don't like it, this is not going away. It's a money maker for the league, and it does expand the brand. It absolutely does. And look, it's great for the sport of hockey because it gets people talking about hockey on that particular day and for maybe a couple days surrounding it as well. So they are great publicity events. And the fans, look at the ticket sales, the fans do respond in the local markets. So for all of those fans that say that, you know, it's overplayed and it's burnout and, and, you know, all that stuff, give me a break. I'll give you an example, John, right? You tell me that the optics playing at Falcon Stadium in Colorado Springs aren't going to be amazing. It's going to be a blast. Right? The, the, I can't wait be to fun. do it. It might be zero degrees, whatever. It's going to be beautiful. I, I, would, I was at the outdoor game at Coors Field. It was stunning. The optics were beautiful. So if you don't want to go and it's not your bag, I get it. But I'm telling you, there are a lot of people that are interested. A lot of people are going to attend these things. So it's, it's really not going to change anytime soon. Yeah. Well, uh, DB, 
Look, uh, great, great report coming over there from Europe. A little side note on those outdoor games. I don't know if there's been an outdoor game in Sweden. Maybe there has been. But I do know that in uh, Germany, they have played some outdoor games. I believe Mannheim even yeah. played in an outdoor game. So maybe if Bettman has that meeting with the folks over in Germany, Germany. they'll yeah. have a different, uh, different outlook on it. And you know what? It only takes one game also. Like, what if those Swedish managers came to the Winter Classic? I mean, it only takes one game for them to go and, we're, and, and say, oh, wow, we didn't realize this is such yeah. a big deal. We want to do this. So, exactly. you know, every, everything, uh, it's their prerogative to change their mind. Continuing around the NHL and back to the game, the Edmonton and Anaheim game, a couple of takeaways from that game. Number one, I, I'm so disappointed that I forgot to ask my question to Connor McDavid. So when I ran into Chris Sutter, I actually had a question that I was on my way to ask Connor McDavid. Okay. Okay. But I was so just take, I just excited by my meeting with Sutter. I forgot. To, <laughs> this is a true story. You forgot the Connor McDavid question. No, I'll be, I'll be honest. I'll, I'll be honest and, and I'll, I, I won't try to cover it up. I did forget my question. Oh, good. Let's um, go. What was the question? all I was thinking about was the conversation with Chris Sutter. And so I didn't ask McDavid and I thought I had a pretty good question. Here was the situation. It was hat. It was military night, not hat night. It was military appreciation night in Anaheim. They gave away camouflage ducks hats to all the fans in attendance. Connor McDavid scored a hat trick right, in the game, right. and a bunch of Ducks fans, well, and Oilers fans, I would imagine, threw their hats. I've never seen a visiting player get uh, uh, when he scores a hat trick right uh, yeah. on the road with hats everywhere uh, on the ice. It just doesn't happen, and. Uh, I wanted to ask McDavid, was he aware that it was hat night? And I, I was expecting him at some point to say, yeah, someone finally told me, which was going to lead to my follow-up question. Hey, what were you thinking when you first saw all of those hats? Because it had to be a little bit of a surreal moment where you're thinking, why are all these Ducks fans... So there were a lot of hats on the S when he Oh, scored. there were a lot of hats. Oh, really? Oh, oh there oh, were a lot of hats. I didn't see and the And here's video. the real bummer part. That was a nice-looking Ducks hat. Let me tell you. There are some giveaways. I mean, it's not a fork like we talked about. In the no, NHL it's not a game. fork. No. It wasn't a fork giveaway, right. uh, and it wasn't a bobblehead. But, I mean, in terms of hat giveaways, and I've seen a lot of hat giveaways from baseball games to hockey games, this was a nice-quality hat, nice black hat. Maybe that's why I liked it. it of course. It had a camouflage bill. <laughs> foot up on that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was, if it was an orange hat, maybe I wouldn't have liked it as much. But, I mean, in all honesty, sincerely, it was a nice-quality hat. And people were chucking them left and right. Well, I think part of it's because it's the player that scored, right? It's ninety seven. Um, no, I think it was the frustration of what was going on in the game. The oh, Ducks really? played. Yeah, the Ducks played. They them didn't pretty, play well. The yeah. Ducks. Well, they played them pretty tight in the first period, and then things kind of got out of hand after that. Nugent Hopkins had a pair of goals. Connor McDavid had it just a ridiculous. Oh, looking that one goal, goal was. I mean, yeah, he's. He, has he went a guy, to his knees, got yes, up. Yes, exactly. Yeah. He has a guy draped all over him. He falls to his knees. And then Cassian, after the game, tells us that they were all laughing on the bench because even with the guy draped all over him, McDavid was still looking to make the pass. And then here's an interesting thing that McDavid said. So then we're asking McDavid about Cassian's comment. And Connor said, I'm always looking for the pass, maybe even too much. Wow. Who do you think put that thought in his ear? Mm. Probably the coach, Dave Probably Tippett, Tippett right? exactly. telling him, hey, shoot the damn puck, <laughs> which nice. is funny because it comes back to what Gaspar Kopitar was telling us earlier tonight. Hey, Andre has a lethal shot. Fire that sucker off. Absolutely. And so it's just funny how even these elite players, the best players in the world, and they're still being pushed and prodded to shoot that puck more. Yeah, it, it's it's funny. They, they're not selfish players. It's as simple as that. Uh, you'd like your players to be a little bit more selfish at times. I agree with you. You're telling me that Connor McDavid, <laughs> Connor McDavid needs advice on how to play the game. Uh, Shot selection. Look, DB, <laughs> DB uh, Anaheim. I've said this; they're a little bit ahead of the curve compared to the Kings, only because they've played so many of their kids. They're thick on yes. on yes. offense, thin on defense. Uh, we did see Max Comtois, one of their their you know really hot young prospects, uh, get sent back down today. I'm sure he'll be back up in the NHL soon. But just any thoughts on what's happening in Anaheim and or San Jose or any other team around the NHL yeah. you want to leave us with this week? A couple of things. Well, the Ducks are regressing to the mean, right? They were getting yes. by on their defense and goaltending. And John Gibson very well, very well may be the uh, the Vezina winner this season. Uh, he's been great. But uh, there's just not enough offense there. Guys like Henrik and Silverberg have to produce tough I don't look. think there's enough defense there, DB. I, I, I think they're you just can generate some team. offense by getting yeah. the right combination they of the They get bailed out by John Gibson and Ryan Miller every night. That, that's what keeps them competitive in games, and you can't do that over 82 games. The Sharks appear to be in role. John, what, what, what's really not frustrating for me, but you know, when you watch the Kings play and you watch the rest of the Pacific, nobody's really that good. 
If, if this team was just marginally better, I could score more offense, they'd be in the conversation for a playoff spot. I, I really think so. That's not going to happen. But when I watch these teams play, like San Jose ha- has been way under the curve. Vegas is inconsistent. Calgary, I guess. I'm not sure. The goaltending, I think they're a soft team. Calgary Edmonton, also has a couple more games played than some of the other teams, yeah. so that's propping Edmonton, them up in the standings. You know, Edmonton's a two-man team. They yeah, don't have the goaltending. They don't have the defense. Um, I'm looking at these teams, and I'm saying, okay, the, the West, yeah, it's a little bit. I mean, the Central Division's a little bit better, but not as advertised, right? Um, it, it, especially, you know, John, the, the Arizona Coyotes could win this division. They absolutely are, they could are win the division. quietly, they could quietly just win. handling their business. And so when you're a Kings fan and you look at it and that might happen, that's going to frustrate you because you're saying, well, you know, the talent differential between Arizona and Los Angeles – really isn't that much. And so that gives you hope that maybe in a year or two when these kids develop, that they can get back right back to contention. Because when I look at these teams, like Vegas is a fully baked team at this point in time. And they, they're not the youngest team in the world. They don't have a great defense. Like Nate Schmidt's the best defender. And it's, it's unless Marc-Andre Fleury stands on his head, they can be beat as well. So it just I look at a lot of mediocrity in the West. I look at certainly the East is better, uh, except for St. Louis. St. Louis looks like they can defend. There, and maybe there is win not a hangover in St. Yeah, Louis And at that's all. without Tarasenko. Yeah. That's impressive. Washington's been impressive. There's some really good teams. I assume Tampa Bay's going to wake up at some point in time. But just the, way, the, the, the lack of level of elite play in the West is really surprising me at this point in time. I think it's up for gas with respect to who could emerge. You know, John, Dallas started so poorly, and, yeah. and Montgomery got emotional at his players the other night um, in Dallas. But I, I think that they could walk through the West and maybe win it all at this point. Well, that'd be you talking about Dallas. Dallas. Well, yeah. that'd be phenomenal because that was my pick to go to the Stanley there Cup you Finals. Go. Yeah, so, I, I really uh, think. Although they Klingberg's have... not going to win the Norris. No, uh, I did have Seth Jones as my previous player, and uh, yeah. so anyway. Um, Look, when it comes to uh, Arizona, I heard an alarming statistic or an interesting statistic the other day, and that is that John Chaika has replaced 22 of the 23 players on that roster. The only player that is still there from the day he arrived is Oliver Ekman Larson. Really? Is wow. that true? Like, somebody needs to verify that stat because that is, if that's yeah. true, that's we pretty phenomenal. We could go up on Cap Friendly and probably look at it. I'm sure they have, you could. They have yeah. a depth you chart go to and when, they were, too, and and when yeah. they were acquired and stuff yeah, like that. Absolutely. That's, that's pretty, yeah, absolutely. That's stunning. Pretty interesting there. Uh, DB, it's been another phenomenal show. The Kings have Detroit coming into town on Thursday night, so we're going to exit tonight with uh, a classic Detroit rocker and Iggy Pop, a little lust for life. And DB, though, what a great show. What a great week. Welcome home, buddy. And uh, I'm sure we'll be doing another episode pretty soon. We'll be doing number lucky 13 very shortly. Thanks, fans. Great talking to you, and we'll talk to you soon. Fifteen minutes could save you fifteen percent or more. Is that Shakespeare? Nope, it's Geico. Uh, yeah, 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 that's Shakespeare from one of his unpublished works. Oh, it be not for awakening. Nay, give it thou the berries. For fifteen minutes could save you fifteen percent or more. No, it's from Geico because they help save people money. Well, I hate to break it to you, but Geico got it from Shakespeare. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more.